Sake is the name of the podcast you've tuned into. We're here every week to discuss the fortunes of a certain club that goes by the name of Melbourne Victory. If it's your first time tuning in, we are a fan-made and fan-fueled podcast. This is a passion of ours. Speaking of passion, a man with plenty of it alongside me this evening, Clarky. G'day, Dave. How are you going? Ah, oh, you know... Uh, it's, it's a bit of a strange limbo period for uh, ourselves in mm. Melbourne town and that's being mirrored by our club at the moment. Uh, how am I going? I'm, I'm doing my best to sort of keep cool in this heat wave that we're experiencing in Melbourne right now. Um, how about yourself, mate? Uh, what about what's, what's happening in the Green Wedge? The green wedge is always those couple of degrees warmer than everywhere else out in the north, but doing well, trying to stay cool. A um, little bit frustrated with the result that occurred last night. I'm sure we'll, we'll dig into that. But uh, apart from that, doing well. Excellent. So, I mean, look, as I sort of alluded to, it's a bit weird um, in these times having to actually podcast uh, the league and our country as a whole, still in this, as I said, weird limbo COVID period. And I feel as a club right now that the, the state of affairs is, is is much the same. We're not losing, but we're not winning. <laughs> we're top of the table, uh, which is, you know, obviously a radical transformation from last year, but it still feels a little bit unfulfilled. It feels like we're just not quite achieving potentially what we could be given the last two results in particular. Mm. Would you say that's about right, mate? Yeah, absolutely. I think probably the early season sort of buoyancy is probably tapered down a little bit. And as you said, we're, we're still on top, albeit with ga- uh, teams got games in hand on us. But yeah, I think the the expectation quickly creeps in from last year where there was absolutely no expectation because we were at rock bottom. It, it shows how mm. just... A little turnaround in fortune straight away. The supporter group is like, all right, we should be doing better. And and you're right, we should be doing better because but that's a positive thing because we're we're demanding a a level that we weren't even close to last year. So, you know, standards get raised, and as that they get raised, expectation gets raised. So yeah, it's it's a little bit strange. We're we're going all right, but could we be doing better? Absolutely we could, but I think given the circumstances of of injuries and COVID and not playing for two weeks and then playing two games in a week and all these sort of yeah, business, the, yeah. the, the lack of consistency, which, which sporting teams are used to in season. I think we're going okay. Yeah. Yeah. Great mate. Look, let, let's, let's take care of some of the formalities uh, and, and some of the opening items. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a, a slow return to normal this week is how I describe it. Uh, last week we decided instead of just taking the week off like the VUC did, uh, we'd provide an interview and that interview was with uh, current Southampton manager, assistant manager, I should say, uh, Richard Kitzbichler. It says a lot to me, Clarky, about a man who gives up his time uh, the way that he did for us. In career terms, uh, Melbourne Victory were just a small 
little blip on his career and he gave up a little half an hour of his time. Yeah, just a little footnote ultimately. But it's almost like, you know, that kid in the schoolyard who, you know, are you going to remember me when you get famous? You know, that kind of scenario. <laughs> and, and, you know, he actually did. He, um, you know, got up early in the morning in Eng- England, that time zone that we had to sort of grapple with to get the interview to happen. It was great. So, look, if you missed that interview last week, just check our socials. You'll find it there. Speaking of socials and our community at large, we'd love to just announce some of the new Patreons that have come on board this week. Um, The Patreon community is basically what makes this podcast happen. So welcome aboard Nick Parvich, Peter Stapleton, Tom Gard, Aidan Chung, Ben Reeve, and a big thanks to Alex bunting Chernotovitz for upping his pledge. Legend, absolute legend, mate. Thank you for mm. doing that. Um, Clarky, the, the Patreon community and the Discord, do you want to give people a bit of a brief rundown in case they're unaware? Yeah, well, as Dave said, you know, the Patreon keeps keeps the lights on and, and the wheels turning of this podcast. So without the, the fan support, we, we wouldn't be able to bring this to you. Um, so we're, we're eternally grateful. And, um, you know, for as little as, as a dollar an episode, you can contribute to us. And, and there's heaps of cool benefits that are, that are already in place and coming. So and the, the, probably the, the most popular one of all is, as you said, is we've created a, um, a Discord server where we're really building a, a really strong, really vibrant and really diverse community of people who, who want to talk all things VUC, want to talk all things sport we've had a cricket thread in there there's there's a there's a food thread in there so if you want to post your 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 gastronomic achievements or or the beers (laughs) that you've got this week they're there um there's a there's a pet thread so if you want to you want to show off your prize pooch is there as well it's just something for everybody there and it's just a great place for 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 vux to come and, and have a chat about all things in life and so we, we, we kind of say that it keeps the lights on, but this week, clear example of it doing just that. If you were listening in the last couple of weeks, you, you probably would have heard Clarky's mic uh, drop out several times. Well, Clarky's gone and got himself a new mic, and that was partly funded by our Patreon. So it really is a, a case of uh, you guys being the reason we keep going. Uh, so thank you all, one and all. Uh, so, yeah, and... The little side project that we do, this charity bed of the week, uh, for our chosen charity, uh, Very Special Kids, uh, we once again took the plunge for a victory win with Marco Rojas to score. Uh, And sadly, the bet lost, even though Marco had a tremendous game and nearly got on the score sheet, had a couple of Mm -hmm. chances. So, look, that unfortunately didn't eventuate uh but look we're going to keep trying uh and if we probably fail a couple more times we probably just send ten dollars every week instead um because i think it was jace who sort of said i wish i wasn't such a mug punter but uh look we'll we'll keep trying um we do know our football we know our a league and we've come very close on a couple of occasions so that that big haul is coming i'm sure so the run sheet ahead for us we obviously have the match to discuss. Sydney FC at Swan Street Stadium last night, Australia Day Eve, 
uh, a two-all result. But, you know, we'll dive into that and obviously address the Max Steel Balls of Steel, a very popular competition, so much so that, that the club has now introduced a uh, fan voting uh, fan award for Player of the Year as well. And look, alongside that, just a couple of minor little topics to go through. So the Melbourne Victory have a new victory song for When We Do Win at Home, a song to play. They put that out on the socials in the last sort of 10 days or so, and we have a winner. I still haven't heard the song that it is, Clarky, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that in due course. Uh, <laughs> and we'll quickly revisit the topic of the Josh Cavallo incident purely just to talk about the sanction handed down to the club by Football Australia. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that very briefly. And then we'll preview our FFA Cup semi-final in Geelong. Another... <laughs> topic of contention uh, this week and you know even though it sucks that we're playing that game in Geelong I thought it was great to see Caroline Carnegie send out comms to all members explaining the circumstances you know I mean it doesn't make it that much easier to swallow but you know it's good to get that level of uh, of comms directed at you know, members who are members of Melbourne Victory Football Club wondering why we're playing a, a game off in Geelong. Uh, so it was good to see, even though we're still playing that. So, yeah, that's on the 29th of January. We'll talk about that. So without further ado, let's get into the game. Uh, as I said, Amy Park, Tuesday night, if you're listening back to this, on Thursday or Friday of this week, a two-all draw. Let's talk initially about selection uh, because there were a few eyebrows raised uh, as the team sheets came out, Clarky. Once again, a makeshift back four, and this time uh, the new Lee Broxham in Jay Barnett was uh, shifted along to the <laughs> right-back position uh, and the incumbent, Jason Guerrier, played a Center half alongside Lee Broxham. So Spiranovic, Hamill, and Roderick Miranda all missing. So yeah, very much a makeshift back four. Uh, it is a bit of a worry there that you know, none of those first preferences are there and available. But uh, I thought we started reasonably well. The game was very frenetic to begin with, but how did you see things unfold once the team settled down, Clarky? Yeah, well, as you said, that that sort of that first five to ten minutes, I think, is always going to be a bit helter skelter. Um, Sydney want to maintain this this winning dominance over us, and and uh, we want to we want to prove that uh, you know that we are back, um, we are relevant, and and this is a this is was probably for us uh, the best time to to try and you know get a win over sydney which is which has been a long time ago now i think probably like 3 seasons something like that so yeah the first 10 minutes like that. yeah yeah the first 10 minutes was was a little bit sloppy and a little bit um all over the shop but you you saw that there was two teams that were definitely up for this comp uh, for this game rather um but after that after the settle i thought we were we we were largely excellent. I think through large parts of the game, we we dictated. If you want to talk about it holistically, I think we we were the better side 
over 90 minutes. But uh, as Sydney proves time and time again over the last five or six years, you, you've got to play a full 90 minutes. Um, otherwise, they will make you pay. Um, but I thought the uh, the Ben Falami goal on uh, 17 minutes was was probably just reward. Um, it's it's kind of funny that um, Elvis Cam Sober, who had probably started the brightest for Sydney FC, um, getting into some pretty dangerous spots, um, took the ball into um, took the ball into the box and and probably should have either passed or taken a shot. And then from that from that turnover, we go down the other end and and score an absolutely swashbuckling counter with with surgical like precision, like. That floated ball from Rojas was magnificent, and and Rojas of old, and it was just, sublime. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got Ben Falami, who who just seems to be growing week and week after week. Like we've probably said that we've we've had a few, you know, false starts that have been a little bit consistent. I think probably along with Jake Brimmer, he's he's been he's been bubbling along nicely. And uh, if the man of the people buds was here, he'd be. He'd be championing, championing the, the feet of 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 Ben Falami. He's been one going. Look at his feet. He's got magic feet, and he showed it again uh, to take that ball first time. Took a little bit of a bobble. Could have gone off the opposite knee, but got a bit lucky. But then that that finish is just low, and and the, to the opposite corner. No keeper in the league, no keeper in the world is pr- probably saving a ball like that at that kind of angle. Absolutely sublime. Yep. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely agree with all of that. You know, I felt as the half progressed, we started to control the game more because yeah, there were um, chances to both both sides as you as you highlighted there. I thought you know the use of the width, Rojas obviously you mentioned, and Falami, they they interchanges. Yeah, you know, and then the, the the vision for Rojas to see Falami's run, uh, and yeah, you know, as I said on Twitter of the night, that's what you come to see. Uh, at the football, you know, that kind of defence splitting pass, the first touch and then popping it away uh, would have been just exactly what you dream about as a footballer uh, when you get into that kind of position. I thought, yeah, and obviously we'll talk about Falami and Rojas, you know, given that you could argue that Falami has taken his opportunities better than anyone this season because, you know, with the arrival of Economides, you know, he went down mm. in that pecking order, and you know it's 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 going to be hard to drop Ben Falami at the moment. But I'll tell you what, a man that um, concerned me a little bit in this game that could potentially be dropped for our top scorer, uh, Marajota. I mm. found him just to be a little bit careless and and lacking in polish. He looked a bit out of place. Maybe he's just you know, unaccustomed to playing in that kind of blazing heat that that was on offer in Melbourne mm. yesterday and today and probably tomorrow um <laughs> yeah. yeah it's it, it was a little bit concerning because he you know he had a, a, a jilt-edged opportunity to, to put it away and just somehow contrived to sky it like he was yeah. trying to he needs to score moon. that as yeah. as as a visa striker as a visa number nine like that should be bread and butter. That should be back of the net. That should be two nil, and we should be uh, we should be up and about and really like putting the screw to Sydney. That was that's a bad miss. Uh, look, you know he, he lashed at it first time, but I expect higher quality 
from him. And I think we've we've seen some cool, calm clinical stuff from him um, here and there. But I, I've got concerns not so much for like what he's capable of. I think we we've seen enough to see that he has got class. But my concern is with consistency, him being able to deliver that kind of the good performances more often than the the wasteful performances. And and last night was was wasteful from him. Um, that that miss wasn't the only opportunities that he he got throughout that game. And you know what? When you've got Nick D'Agostino sitting on what three or four goals now for four. the season, four yep. for the season. Um, Look, on the one side, it's like, well, we want Margiotta to be firing, but it's good that we've got genuine competition for places in, in these sorts of areas. So if Margiotta's not firing, well, then let's throw daggers in because yep. so far daggers yep. hasn't really let us down. Maybe he had a he had a pretty poor game the other week, but then he, he pulls out an absolute thunder bastard. So, you know, at the end of the day, daggers and Margiotta are there to score goals. And if one's not, the other one gets a go. So Milos Ninkovic in the post game said that he felt that 2-2 was probably the right result. Um, I mean, you know, taking the VUC glasses off just for a moment, I mean, it, it's hard for me to accept that given that the clear-cut chances were much more plentiful for us uh, overall, whether you look at it statistically or as, as the game itself flowed. But I think that yeah, obviously both sides had gaping holes, you know, where they would have ordinarily had Lafondra and Barbarousas up top. And you could argue that Bahaja, Patrick Wood, you know, some of the chances they had, Costa and Lafondra would have put them away. But I think just as important for us, you know, not having a recognised duo in the centre of defence and the back four being in this perpetual state of flux um, takes its toll on the organisational mm. ability. And I thought there was a key moment in the game where Lee Broxham you know, had a last-ditch attempt, you know, last-ditch sort of tackle that... It's a real signal to me that the, the the boys started to switch on and you started to see Josh Bellante drop deeper. The midfield started to contribute a bit more in, in not just the you know, attacking phases, but in the defensive phases as well. It it, it started to, to transform things for me. How did you see that? Because Lee Broxham, obviously we love him, but you know, even though he was a little bit out of his depth, that to me was a telling moment. Yeah, well, that's that's the mark of this man, isn't it? That, yeah, as you said, he's probably out of his depth. In an ideal world, we don't want Lee Broxham having to play centre-back too regularly. We know that over the years, at times in a pinch, he's, 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 he's you know, performed admirably, but you don't want it too regular. And whilst he was probably, as you said, pushed and pulled and a bit out of his depth last night, what the guy has is experience at this level, care for the club, and and leadership qualities i mean this this is a guy who's who's captained this club multiple times so you know it, it even for someone like josh berlante who's who's experienced in this league and, and has his own leadership qualities it takes someone like broxham who's been there for you know 15 16 years to be like come on boys switch the fuck on and i think that's right that was where we started to wrestle back control because sydney in that middle period of the game were 
were knocking on the door and were, were definitely all over us. Um, yeah. So yep. it, it, sometimes it just takes a strong voice to be like, hey, switch the fuck on. And and that's, mm. that's what he did. It seemed to me like at certain periods that, you know, Berlante, who is our captain now, it seemed to be on autopilot a little bit. And that mm. wake-up call um, certainly happened. And I did start to notice his contributions. So uh, two goals in each each half, uh, Milos Ninkovic scores in the 37th minute, Clarky. Uh, you know, to me, you know, defensive laps, you know, uh, goal mouth, jammy kind of scramble goal, really. You know, just right place, right time to to, to execute it was, mm. was Ninkovic. Um, it, was, it was a real kick in the guts, I felt, given the way the game had started to sort of pan out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. When that went in, you were just like, oh, of course, of course, Ninkovic and of course, something like that. Like he he used all his experience there. Most would have lashed first time, but he pulls the shot and then he and then he pokes at it again. And um, it, it seems to just magically fly through that pile of flailing bodies as as what seemed like comedy capers of slip victory players slipping over in opposite directions. It was you know, yeah, you hate to concede those ones. You hate yep. to concede those ones. So, but you know what? If you're Sydney, you don't care. Um, but I think we responded reasonably well after that. I think so too. And look, the second half was a stalemate for much of it, but it certainly didn't lack drama. Most notably, the horrific head clash between oh. Jason Geary and Ray Maxan. Um, I mean, both players ended up with claret, but Marchand's situation was far, far worse. And you could just tell, by the way, he was uh, lying on the floor, um, looked very helpless, looked very concerning. And uh, mm. the good news is that, you know, he's back home now and uh, obviously went to hospital. Jason Gary played out the game, but Marchand... Uh, I don't want to be too much of a pessimist here, but that's going to be close to a season-ending injury, I feel. Those those facial injuries always take a long time to heal, Clarky. Yeah, no, I'd agree. You, you'd probably looking at, I mean, depending on how bad it is, if it's an eye socket or if it's a cheek, um, obviously he's going to need a couple of stitches in that cheek to begin with. But you'd probably think that's, eight to 10 at, at, at an absolute minimum. And, and I guess with, with something like with football, um, your face has got to be right because there's a chance you're going to cop a ball in the face, you know, or these sorts of yep, things. Or, yep. you know, he's got to have the ability to, again, sort of show no fear and put his head in places where others might not. Um, so yeah, it, it's a real, it's a real blow that one for, for a yep. bloke who's been pretty good this season. I think last night was probably in the minutes he did play, it was probably his, his least impactful performance. Uh, I don't think Sydney's midfield him midfield allowed him the time and the space to kind of move between the lines and, and plug gaps, you know, put out fires like he's been known to this season. He was, he was kept pretty sort of, um, having to be responsible in the middle of the park a little bit, so he didn't have that that freedom to sort of roam and and help where it was needed. But it's not necessarily that he had a bad game, but 
losing this is now now it starts to put a test on our depth because you think okay Lee Broxham will come in and and start playing from the central midfield but Lee Broxham's been filling in more times in in the back line um, this season than he has in the midfield so we need some fit central defenders stat yeah <laughs> you're not wrong I mean and and Jason Garrier who deputized in that position last night uh he was annoyed you could see uh it was mm. a, obviously it hurt him as well not to the same extent but he was annoyed I think he had actually called for the ball yeah. Um, or called that he had it. Um, Mark Sun, the real kamikaze footballer, just he had you know, to he had to pull out there. Yeah, it, that, that was not his. It's come. It's coming over his shoulder. Jason can see the ball. He he's got to pull out there. Um. So yeah, yeah look, not, not one of those unfortunate too hard, but you know yeah, exactly uh, unfortunate scenarios that will again <laughs> result in us having to chop and change uh this time in the midfield but say la v i mean the, you know the second the second half uh it, it evolved and evolved to the point where falami just went from strength to strength and in the 77th minute the obviously the the build up play uh out there on the right with with falami Basically, step overs and weaving his way through Sydney defenders, and then just laying laying it on a plate for Robbie Cruz. Who, if anyone had to be on the end of that build-up play, I'm so glad it was Robbie Cruz because no one needed a goal more than Robbie Cruz. But Falami, I mean, take a bow, son. That's some of the best wing play and I guess individual brilliance that the club has seen in a fair while. Uh, and so, yeah, how did you see it, mate? Because it had me just, you know, ecstatic, jumping for joy. Yeah, well, it it, it was kind of the nice cherry, cherry on top for Falami's game. He was probably already going to be man of the match mm. um, in terms of the Vuck fans' eyes before that, but that's just a nice little, nice little icing on top there. But... Um, you'd you'd be hard pushed to find someone who was more happy for Robbie Cruz than than me. Um, As you know, I'm a huge Robbie Cruz booster and he's been through a lot. And I think you can see by scoring that goal, what that meant to him, the celebration and just the, the release of emotion. I thought he'd been quite good um, when he had come on. Um, He showed a really clean pair of heels. I hadn't seen that kind of pace from Robbie Cruz in a while when he made that run straight through the middle of the park. And I was ignored. I'm not sure who it was, but someone needed to play that ball to him straight through because he was leaving everybody in the dust. Um, But he kept, in true Robbie fashion, he keeps working at it. He keeps running his guts out and getting into the right positions. So, no, I was stoked for him. Hopefully, that reward for effort. Hopefully that gives that sort of gives him a bit of confidence and and a bit of belief and a bit of trust in his body. What I saw from him last night in that cameo was trust in his body. He was yes. putting the foot flat to the floor, just absolutely belting pace. And that's just trust in his hamstrings, trust in his calves, trust in his knees, trust in his ankles. And we haven't seen that. We probably thought last year that Robbie, you know, was playing within himself a little bit scared to get injured, which you can probably yep. excuse him a little bit given 
he's largely his career has been destroyed by injuries. So very he's happy. He's 33 now. Like yeah. that, that interplay. And, and there were several moments during that game where you know, he looked on and mm. it was so pleasing for him. And, you know, there were a lot of substitutions, obviously, for, for multiple mm. reasons, the injuries and the heat. You know, it was, and, and obviously, some of the boys were still affected from COVID. Uh, that's the word on the street. Economides, to me, clearly underdone still. Not mm. sure why we risked him. He clearly was not 100%. Uh, I feel that um, in a... The ideal scenario, Nishan is the guy that would would come on uh, in that in that time frame. I, I have it on good authority that Economides, you know, probably shouldn't have played. Uh, mm. That's the male. Um, but was was think, Nishan you know, available due to COVID no. or injury? I hadn't heard anything about an injury, so it was strange. Yeah. Well, look, it was it was the first time in several weeks where he wasn't even on the bench and we, mm. we did you know go to the well um with with brooks cruz economides and d'agostino so you know we had a very good bench i'm not saying that you know uh, mm. it's it was it was lacking i mean you, you bring on those types of players uh and you have them at your disposals not many in the league are going to have that level of quality but yeah, I mean, we're waiting. We're waiting when it comes to Economides, and look, we'll, we'll have to remain patient for now. Yeah, look, it, it's a really tough one because the longer he he's sort of trying to regain form or fitness or a bit of both, um, when you're on that kind of money and you're a marquee, you're afforded less rope. Um, let, yeah. Let's be real. You're afforded less rope. But you know what? I, I, I had a good, long, hard think about this today. And this is possibly the worst season ever for someone like Economides to try and find form and fit, work his way back to form and fitness with the start-stop nature, COVID, yes. injuries, well game postponements. We hadn't played for something like 14 days. Like, how is he meant to build up this fitness base? Like, you can only do so much in training. He's He needs, you know, 10 minutes off the bench, 20 minutes off the bench, a half start for 60 minutes but we just not get we don't have that consistency of games um for him to do it so look it'd be very hard on the the strength and conditioning to get his loading and all that sort yeah. of stuff right yeah. look still um that doesn't mean that he's not without criticism because so far you know with the amount of games we've played he's not really shown anything and that is still in itself, in its own, concerning for a marquee signing. But as you said, we just have to be a little bit more patient. I think if we if we get another four to six weeks down the track and we haven't seen something from him, then then we start to go, hmm, what what are we doing here? Um, you know? So Yeah. The return on investment <laughs> questions will be asked <laughs> at that point in time because yeah, it's 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 encouraging that we're still in a you know very good position without having him at his best because we know what he can do at his best. Mm. Uh, and look, the the, the, the the reason I'm stalling here somewhat is because I'm very pissed off to have to talk about Sydney's equaliser. Bobo, oh, fuck. 
does it again. Uh, I think he said when we were chatting before, you go, he did fuck all all game, and then he comes on and scores. Uh, is that is that something you just want to reiterate for our listeners? Because yeah, eh, that one hurt. Yeah, look, he hasn't he hasn't been around the match squad for a while. Um, you know, injuries, COVID, all that sort of stuff. Last year, I didn't really think too much of him either. Look, I think he's. I think he's classy with the ball at his feet and he knows how to put the, the ball in the back of the net, but he's definitely aging. But he always seems to fucking find the net against us. And it's just like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, you know, he could be he could be 140 kilos and 43 years of age with, like, fucked ankles and he'd still score against us. Uh, he's, he's, he's quickly becoming that nemesis that he just looks nowhere near it against everyone else and he he just cranks it up against us doesn't he um but this is what smart and experienced players do he's a big strong powerful guy and at a corner he's like oh there's no central defenders here you're Mm -hmm. all like you're all under six foot like all he has to do is like use his body slightly get above it put his arm on a shoulder and just lean his head over and that's all he did like that is bread and butter. He's doing those sorts of goals, set piece goals in training with minimal contact. That was just, it was too easy. And look, I think maybe, you know, Ivan could have probably done a little bit better. The reaction was not really there, but at the same time, I'm not going to really blame anyone on the VUC too hard for this. It's, it's, it's the, it's a circumstance goal. No central defenders. I think if Roderick Miranda's there or Hamill's there, um, or Spear is there, they're on him, and he doesn't get over the top of any of them mm, and doesn't mm. get that purchase. But we play with what we've got, and he plays what he's up against, and he did what he had to do, the fucking prick. <laughs> <laughs> he certainly did. And look, you know, there were there was some eight minutes of added time, you know, after regulation. And, you know, there, there were attempts. There was a lot of tasty tackles flying around. Mm-hmm. Musti Amini with his pubic hair head uh, <laughs> got snagged himself a yellow. Um, looks like he's snagged quite a few things uh, in his time away from football, let's just say. But um, <laughs> Bobo as well picked up a slice of cheese. It was all, um, you know... Th- I said this at the start of the game. Um, They have had a lot of games in a short period of time. On a hot day, they weren't prepared to to battle it out in the same way as we were. They were always going to lock up and shut up shop uh, Mm -hmm. with a draw away from home. So I guess in in, in summarising it all, you know, I come back to my initial thoughts about how, yeah, you know, result in context, it – it's not the worst thing possible, you know, particularly considering where we've come from and the low base we've come from. But it does feel somewhat unfulfilling considering that the teams below us on the ladder have a shit ton of games in hand and these dropped points at home. Uh, mm. In games that, you know, we really, from a games circumstance we were winning. perspective, we, yeah, exactly. We're in winning position at home, got to put sides to the sword under those circumstances. So mm. a shame that we didn't, but not the end of the world uh, is how I'd probably like to conclude there, Clarkie. But 
before we move on, let's go through those votes. I mean, Pretty much a no-brainer for for three, but run us run us through the three two ones, mate. All right. So for the Max Steel Balls of Steel votes for this week against Sydney FC, three votes. Gabenga Falami for his scintillating performance. Uh, mm-hmm. Two votes to uh, uh, future Ballon d'Or winner Lee Broxham, and uh, one vote to the Kiwi Messi Marco Rojas, and. Um, not a huge amount of movement on the leaderboard. Rojas has um, shortened the gap a little bit, but we've still got Jake Brimmer out in front on eight votes with uh, Miranda and Rojas just behind him on six and then Berlante and Davidson uh, with five. So thank once again, um, thanks for the votes each and every week. Um, yeah. Lovely work, Clarky, and thank you, everyone, for submitting your votes to the most prestigious award in, in Australian football, the Balls of Steel. The original fan vote award, Yes, we should add. Okay, so ladies and gents, um, we got rid of horses, <laughs> which everyone is really happy about. Um, slight humble brag, the club actually approached us after <laughs> I had tweeted that horses has got to go. Uh, the consensus at Amy Park among those at the club was yeah, pretty much in agreement with us that, you know, it it, 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 it had to go because it's, it, it's become so cliched and lame. Uh, what started off at Melbourne Victory, at Melbourne Victory Games as a joke uh, yeah. Kind of turned into a bit of a circus, really. And yeah, cringeworthy yeah. is the word that I'd like to use. So, look, club... it, it was a meme. It was a meme. Yes. But then when unvaccinated people are protesting on the Westgate Bridge singing it, <laughs> um, it's probably time to fucking go. <laughs> like, it's, it's time yeah, to put yeah. up the green screen and put that horse down. <laughs> like, indeed, indeed. So, the club has. They uh, approached us as well about this, you know, what would be the ideal victory victory song, if you like. And we, we had a busy few weeks. We, we didn't get our thinking caps on as well as uh, I probably would have liked because the vote went to the public. And it, honestly, I don't even know what fucking Freed from Desire is. I should listen to it at some point. I, I'm going to guess that it's not my cup of tea. No, but not. as you guys joke about my music taste <laughs> quite a bit, well, not so much you, Clarky, because our taste yeah. is similar, but um, Jason, Buzzard, Dave, they're not going to play some fucking indie anthem for you. And, and look, let's be clear, I don't want that. I know that this song has to have mainstream appeal, has to be catchy, through. has to be... <sighs> Yeah, it has to have energy and all those things that you know a song of that nature should have. Um, it's a shame that that mob uh, that are uh, using "Living End" uh, as 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 their victory song, Melbourne City, which I find just the, the most weirdest like contradiction in terms. Uh, oh. It's the song they use about the the MUA. Wharfies strikes the real working class and anthem, working class anthem by, by a blood money corporation and fans. Yeah, it's uh, so <laughs> yeah, it, it, that one, that one, uh, 
grinds my gears a little bit. But anyway, mm. so we've we've got a song, Clarky. What do you know about the new Victory song? Can you sing it for us, or you know, is there something about it that you know you're happy with, or what's your what's your stance on it? No, well, look, it has some roots in football, um, and and all that sort of stuff. But look, it's not really my cup of tea. I'm not going to sing it. I'm not going to put you through it. I'm not going to put the listeners through it. Nobody wants to hear me sing that. Um, but look. I know that this this kind of song isn't isn't targeted at me. Uh, look, could it have been better? Could I, yeah, sure. I think there was there was we. I think the fans needed to think a little bit more. We probably needed to throw in throw some hats in the ring as well. But it's also difficult that the real catchy football songs are, that have been I guess transplanted into football environments. A lot of them are being used already. So as you said, like "Roll On" by Living End would have been perfect, but but City but City uses it, and you know other people were going, well, how about "Sweet Caroline"? You can sing it from sing it from the stands and that because you know also you know the Caroline Carnegie connection, but it's like Western United uses that. So look, the the, the scope of of songs is pretty narrow. Look, this this will appeal to some. This will appeal to this won't appeal to some it's fine look um it's it's an improvement on horses um i mean it's an improvement on horses uh it's not as memey or cringe as victory the brave although i lean into that like that thing is that yeah. shit is so lame that it's it's glorious like yeah. um but you it's know the, it's the starship troopers of uh football anthems it's 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 a piece of brilliant artwork in in some respects, but yeah, I don't know, but man. Nothing like, I suggest it, would have would have made the cut. You know, Cosmic Psychos isn't going to make it. A nine minute Electric Wizard song isn't going to make it. You know, <laughs> Slayer's not going to come out of Amy Park. No Judas Priest. So so what do I care? I'm usually by the time the the, the song comes on, I'm I'm walking down the steps anyway to to get to a, a post-game feed anyway. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. You can't make everyone happy is the conclusion no. here, Vuckers, because some of you might be thinking this is the greatest choice possible um, and others might be scratching their heads and that's just the nature of subjectivity at the yep. end of the day. Uh, so, yeah, look, we'll... all agree we'll, on that it, at least it wasn't the fucking presets. Yeah, and, I mean... As much as you know, even if we don't like this song, if you're if you're one of these people that has heard "Freed from Desire" and hates it, one thing that has to be clear: we want to hear that song a lot. Yeah, in the coming years, we want to hear it a lot. We want to hear it every week, ideally, when we play at home. So, yeah, start practicing, uh, Vuckers. <laughs> but uh, yeah, look, let's let's put that one to bed. Good initiative from the club, no matter which way you slice it. Um, it's good to approach members and uh, have that level of interaction with uh, the 20,000-plus members that this club has. So speaking of the club and actions, uh, an action was taken towards uh, Melbourne Victory this week, January 26th, I think, uh, that's today. I think it was yesterday. So this article that I'm reading has been updated. So Football Australia, interestingly, um, here, not the APL, um, 
have fined Melbourne Victory $5,000, which seems like a kind of minimum gyps kind of fine mm. um, in terms of this sort of thing. Something had to be, I guess, handed down um, mm. by the authorities given that there was a show cause notice relating to the homophobic abuse that Josh Cavallo copped a couple of weeks back um, at Amy Park and at Hindmarsh. So, look, we've said a lot on this topic. Um, mm. If you go back to the episode before last, I think it was episode 10, season 7, episode 10, we gave this topic a good 20 minutes or so where we each said our piece and there's not much really else for us to say. Um, um, Clarky, like where do, where do we go from here? Like is it, is it now sort of just we – this is a slap on the wrist basically and it's sort of like <sighs> – what do you say about it? It just seems kind of tokenistic and piecemeal. Yeah, look, I, I'm not sure what what more they can do in terms of that kind of fine. Um, as you said, it, it seems like a bit of a minimum fare or sort of they. I guess football Australia's got to be seen to 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 slap us with something so that look. Yeah, as you said, we don't need to talk too much more about the incident. I think largely the response from our support base around this this awful incident has been generally positive with the vast majority of Vux denouncing it whether they're part of a supporter group whether they're you know fans of this podcast in our discord whether they're just you know a bloke who goes to a victory game and he's on twitter i've i've seen most of our our club and people connected with it sort of really come down and and slam this kind of behavior so look i I hope it doesn't happen again i'm cynical there's 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 always shit people around in this world but yeah look again just echoing the sentiments of a couple of weeks ago it's just so disappointing and even now i think about it now it's just it just gets me down um but look hopefully as a club we can put this behind us and hopefully as a support base, um, people can pull their fucking heads in um, and we can move on from this because you can say that it's a a few doesn't tarnish, tarnish everyone. um, But that's clearly not the case. If, if, If you've seen the, the reaction from the wider league supporting it's, Vux are copying it and we've got to just kind of put our hands up and go and sort of take our medicine despite the fact that you or I or anyone else weren't the people to say that um, this club represents everyone and everyone who walks into that stadium represents everybody there. Um, so we've got to just take our medicine. Hopefully some people have, have learned from this experience. Hopefully some people have been, yeah, continue to be educated. I'm sure there were some people that have realized errors of their ways, but yeah, not much mm. more to say really. Well said Clarky. All right. So we'll put that behind us, hopefully, um, and never have to deal with that again, hopefully. Mm. I'm a bit more of an optimist. But, uh, look, let's look ahead to the 29th of January, Saturday, 5.35 p.m. at Cardinia Park, one of the worst places to watch football from as a Mm. viewer in the stadium but also on television mm-hmm. uh we play wellington phoenix uh, <laughs> who 
it's they're still leading this nomadic existence and they're adding to that uh, by playing in Geelong of all places. <laughs> so, um, Clarky, this is important. Obviously, silverware uh, it's very important. is at stake here. So how do you see this one unfolding? You know, we've got this game and then a game again on the 5th of Feb the following week. So tell us, tell us what's going to happen. Yeah, well, look, it's all there for us, isn't it? Like if if we at, at the start of this FFA Cup or run went, well, you know, we'll be in a semi-final against Wellington who haven't played at home for two seasons and lost three internationals on the cusp of this season and have had COVID and injuries. And then you have to play Central Coast who are, uh, you know, who are trying to do as best as they can under under the circumstances of being Central Coast, we'd look at that and go, holy shit, this is this is the perfect opportunity for silverware. And maybe in, in years gone by, FFA Cup has kind of been like, oh, it's a nice to have. Um, but, you know, winning breeds winning. And this is important to us on this whole rebuild, rebound, rebound new Melbourne victory, you know, leaving the past in the past. This is a very important piece of silverware. And I think that winning this in potentially, you know, two or three weeks time can really give us the boost in the league, um, can maybe turn those frustrating draws into wins because, you know, it, belief comes from winning. And yeah, so look, I think we should get the job done against Wellington. They're a plucky side, but there's so much going against them that, you know, it's it's hard to continue to just be plucky when you're not you're not living and training at home, and and your squad is basically down to bare bones. Whether it be injuries, whether it be losing players to opposition clubs or overseas, or whether it be COVID, um, and fucking Geelong, I wish this was at Amy. I'd be I'd almost be more confident if it was at Amy. I don't know. It's just something about Geelong. It gives me the shits. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and the Cup's thrown up some very bizarre results. Obviously, you mentioned Central Coast. They were the um, other semi-finalist like, who, you know, they knocked out Sydney FC to get into the final. Um, yeah, a result that not many saw coming, given no. that the Mariners have had a dip, you know, from their, their heights of last season. And the Phoenix, it throws up some interesting questions regarding the fact that this is important from a silverware perspective, but I believe now that the Asian Champions League also uh, has, there's some impact when, mm. when it comes to that competition as well. So I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Clarky, that if the Phoenix were to go on and win the FFA Cup, they can't play in the Asian Champions League. No. So then it would go to presumably Central Coast, who uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just sort of playing the 4D chess in my head as to yeah. the, the, the potential outcomes of this competition. Like we have to get this the job done on Saturday and 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 then you know, defeat the Mariners because, the, as you said. No greater opportunity given where both of those two sides are at and where we're at in terms of personnel, uh, organizational strength that Tony Popovich has brought to the squad. Yeah, exactly. This is this is a game that victory needs to win. And hey, 
Asian Champions League spot. We've got we've got the manager who's won the Asian Champions League, you know, as mm-hmm. well. So there's that. I mean, obviously that's that's counting a heap of chickens that you know haven't even <laughs> hatched yet. But uh, you know yeah, what? Yeah, it's it, to go from bottom of the ladder last year to currently sitting on top to to winning a piece of silverware and possibly qualifying for Asian Champions League, you know, qualifying rounds. That is a monumental turnaround. That's like huge. So we've got to take these opportunities while they're they're presented to us. So I think you'll you'll see the boys come out pretty fired up against Wellington. I think we're frustrated on, on last night's result. They would be frustrated too. Um, I think you could almost see them taking it personally against Wellington Phoenix, <laughs> going the full Michael Jordan and <laughs> and just riding them into the dirt here. So look, I'm I'm yeah. pretty bullish yeah. about this. Same here, same here. Well, that brings us to a close for this week. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to get back to some kind of normality where we talk about football. It's great. Um, Having said that, we have got a guest lined up for next week and we predict that this guest will knock your socks off. Uh, Someone we've been hunting down for quite some time to have on the show. Uh, So we're, we're, we're quite pleased about that. But, yeah, look, get down to Geelong if you can, Vuckers. Make it feel like a home game even though it's not at our home ground. Um it makes a difference, you know, even though it's not the best place to watch football. Uh, if you can get down there, get down there. All right. Let's say good evening and goodbye, Clarky. Uh, thanks for being on, mate, and Mon the Vuck. Mon the Vuck.